Welcome to the I Believe Podcast, an Acure Insight production, brought to you by Castle Biosciences. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, a fellow ocular melanoma survivor. Here on the podcast, we'll be sharing information and insights on treatments, research, and living with ocular melanoma. Castle Biosciences is a proud sponsor of this I Believe podcast. Castle Biosciences tests are designed to provide clinicians precise and personalized tumor information for the benefit of patient care. If you would like more information about how Castle is transforming the treatment of eye cancer, visit castletestinfo.com. Good morning, everyone. How are you all doing? Uh, It is apparently a Monday morning, not a (laughs) Saturday morning. So uh, I am the CEO of Triage Cancer, and I'm a a cancer rights attorney by training, and I've spent the better part of my career teaching people how to navigate systems that come up as a result of a cancer diagnosis. And so today I was asked to talk about navigating insurance, um, as well as some other things that are connected to insurance. So I want to start by telling you just a little bit about triage cancer so that you know where to go for more information about the topics that I'm going to talk about briefly. So triage cancer is a national nonprofit organization that provides free education on all of the legal and practical things that come up after a cancer diagnosis. And most of the things that you uh, would come to us for are not things that you would think of as legal issues like insurance, how to get insurance, how to take time off work, how to get government benefits. So we do that by providing free education. So we have a free webinar series on a variety of different topics. We also have educational materials, including our practical guides to cancer rights. So we have guides that are general, and then we also have guides that are specific to seniors, which have more information about Medicare, uh, retirement, making work decisions. We also have a guide specific to caregivers. And then we also have a series of animated videos because we know many of these topics are not the most interesting things to learn about or have to understand. Uh, And we know that people learn in different ways. So in five minutes or less, you can get information about some of the things we think are most important to understand, like how to navigate insurance. On our website, we sort information in two ways. We have information sorted by topic. So we have all different types of topics where you can pick a page and see all of the different resources we have available on that particular topic. So if you want information on Medicare, you can go to our Medicare topics page. And then we also sort information by location. So what you have access to actually depends on where you live. And so we have state-specific resources on our website, as well as the different laws and programs that are available by state. And then we also have a tool called Cancer Finances, where it provides education on topics that can impact your financial situation. And you can start to answer some questions and say what you're looking for, and it will tailor the answers based on how you've answered those questions. So you're really getting guided to the information that is most relevant to you. So when we talk about health insurance, we have to talk about the issue of finances. And there is a term that is used frequently in the cancer community called financial toxicity. 
and it really is about the idea that a a cancer diagnosis can bring financial challenges. And the reason we haven't solved this issue is that there are a lot of factors that contribute to financial toxicity. And we think the number one way to prevent financial burden is actually making sure that you have adequate health insurance coverage and have lower out-of-pocket costs. So that's what I'm going to talk about today, specifically health insurance. And the challenge in talking about health insurance is that really no one understands health insurance in the United States. And it used to just be my anecdotal opinion of that, but now I have the data to back that up. Only 4% of Americans can actually define the four most important terms that are used in health insurance. So if we can't even understand the terms that are used, how are we actually knowing how to pick health insurance that is gonna be the best for us? So really what this means is that if 96% of Americans aren't equipped or haven't been given the information that they need to be good consumers in picking the health insurance plan that's best for them. So I wanna spend a few minutes talking about how we get health insurance in the United States and those terms and show you how to pick a health insurance plan with the lowest out-of-pocket costs. So in the United States, we only get health insurance from three places. We're either getting it directly from an insurance company, we're getting it through the government, and by that I mean Medicare, Medicaid, military or veterans plans, state or local programs, but still about 50% of people get their health insurance coverage through an employer. So just a quick show of hands in the room. How many of you have an employer plan? How many of you have an individual plan, like through the marketplace? How many of you have Medicare? And Medicaid? Yeah, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty diverse room. So what's incredibly important about understanding your different health insurance options is that you really need to know about all of your options to effectively pick the plan that's best for you. And oftentimes, we only know about one option, and so we head down that path without understanding that there might be a better option for us that actually is better at covering our providers or has lower out-of-pocket costs or covers our prescription drugs. So at Triage Cancer, we have a lot of resources to help people understand all of the different options that might be available so that you can pick the best plan for you. So turning to those terms that I mentioned, when we go and buy health insurance coverage, we pay a premium. And that premium we typically pay monthly. So it's a fixed dollar amount that we pay each month just to have health insurance. Even if we got no medical care during the year, we'd still have to pay our monthly premium to have the policy. But then there are terms that come into play when we actually use our health insurance coverage. So the first cost that we have to pay is our deductible. It's a fixed dollar amount that we have to pay first before our health insurance plan even kicks in. So you might have a $500 deductible, you could have a $7,000 deductible, you might even have a $0 deductible, depending on the coverage that you have. And then there's something called a copayment. And this is also a fixed dollar amount that you pay when you go and get certain types of care. Bless you. So you might have a $10 copayment to see the doctor. You might have a $50 copayment to see a specialist or a $500 copayment to go into the emergency room. And that's different from coinsurance and cost share. Those are two terms that are used the same way. It's the difference between what insurance companies pay for our medical expenses and what we pay. 
so it's a percentage. So if you have an 80-20 plan, the insurance company is going to pay 80% and you're responsible for 20%. And Medicare Part B, for example, is an 80-20 plan. So Medicare Part B will pay 80% and you're responsible for 20% of those expenses. But then probably the most important thing that we should all know about our health insurance coverage is our out-of-pocket maximum. Because in a worst-case scenario, it's the most that we're going to pay out-of-pocket for our medical expenses during the year. So it's something that you can kind of plan around in terms of a worst-case scenario, that that's the most that you'll pay. So it is a fixed dollar amount, and it could be $1,000 or it could be $20,000, depending on the type of plan that you have. And the way that you reach your out-of-pocket maximum is actually a math problem. So you get to add up what you pay for your co-pays, your deductibles, your co-insurance amounts that you pay to help you reach your out-of-pocket maximum. And when you do reach that number, paying out-of-pocket expenses, then your insurance will kick in at 100% for the rest of the year. So to give you an example of how this works, Dan has a plan that has a $2,000 deductible. It's an 80-20 plan and he has an $8,000 out-of-pocket maximum. So Dan spends a week in the hospital, and he walks out with a $102,000 hospital bill. So assuming he's had no other medical expenses during the year, how much does Dan actually have to pay of that bill? $8,000, because that's his out-of-pocket maximum. But this is how you get there. So first he has to pay his $2,000 deductible, which leaves $100,000 left of that bill but he has an 80-20 plan, so the insurance company's gonna pay 80% and he's responsible for 20%, which leaves $20,000 left of that bill. How much does he actually have to pay of the $20,000? $6,000, because then at that point, he's already paid his $2,000 deductible, he spends another $6,000, and then he's reached his out-of-pocket maximum. So I'm not suggesting that $8,000 isn't a lot of money, but it's certainly better than if he'd had to pay that full $20,000 bill. Now, with Medicare Part B, there's no out-of-pocket maximum. So you're responsible for paying that full amount all year long. There's no cap on what you pay out-of-pocket. So out-of-pocket maximums can actually be very helpful. But there are some details, because you might have a plan that actually has more than one person on it. So you might have a family plan, and you're going to have an individual out-of-pocket maximum and a family out-of-pocket maximum. And then if you have a marketplace plan, the out-of-pocket maximum does have to include your co-pays, your deductibles, and your co-insurance amounts, both for medical care and your prescription drugs. But if you have an employer plan, they can carve things out. So it actually gets harder to reach your out-of-pocket maximum. So they might say, we're not going to include deductibles in the out-of-pocket maximum, or we're not going to include deductibles and co-payments, and we're just going to cover, or we're just going to include the co-insurance amounts to help you reach that out-of-pocket maximum. And some employer plans have separate out-of-pocket maximums for prescription drug coverage. So it's important for you to know how your plan handles this so that you can actually figure out the most that you're going to have to pay out-of-pocket. So I want to walk you through a quick exercise that helps compare plans so that you know what your total cost to have a plan would be by the end of the year. And this exercise is useful if you're comparing different marketplace plans. If your employer gives you more than one option, you can compare your employer plans, you can compare your employer plans to the marketplace, and you can compare Medicare Advantage plans using this exercise. 
So here we have three plans. There's a bronze plan at $200 a month with an $8,000 out-of-pocket maximum. There's a silver plan at $275 a month with a $6,000 out-of-pocket maximum, and a platinum level plan at $400 a month with a $2,000 out-of-pocket maximum. So can you tell just by looking at them which is gonna cost you the least by the end of the year? No, you can't tell by looking at them. You have to do the math. And the way that you do the math is you take the monthly premium and you multiply it by 12, and that's how much it will cost you to have the plan for the year, and then you add that to the out-of-pocket maximum. So which plan actually ends up being cheapest? It turns out it's the platinum level plan. Even though we might get sticker shock when we see that it's so much more per month. But the problem is, is most of us actually just shop for insurance by looking at the monthly premium because we don't know how out-of-pocket maximums work. So if you are likely to hit your out-of-pocket maximum, and if you are being treated for cancer or have a serious medical condition or a chronic one, the chance that you're gonna hit your out-of-pocket maximum is pretty high. So doing this math gives you the total possible cost of what the plan will be for you by the end of the year. And so when we talk about having adequate health insurance coverage, this is what we mean. Making sure that you're, you're lowering what you would have to pay out of pocket by picking the best plan for you. But it isn't just about cost. So you have to be looking at plans that actually cover your providers, the hospitals that you want to go to, the prescription drugs that you're taking, the pharmacies where you want to go to get those prescription drugs. Because if you pick a plan that doesn't cover those things, then you're going to have to pay out-of-pocket rates for those things and increase your out-of-pocket costs. So you want to make sure that the plans that you're choosing actually cover the things that you need. And if you're shopping on the marketplace, or if you're shopping for, on Medicare, there's actually tools to do that. Once you're looking at plan options, you can actually check to see if your providers and your prescription drugs are covered by that particular plan. And the same thing with Medicare. So this is just a screenshot of what it looks like on the marketplace. But I strongly recommend that if anyone is actually shopping for health insurance coverage, that they're asking their providers, do you take this specific plan? Uh, don't just say, you know, do you take Medicare or do you take Blue Cross? Um, you want to name the specific plan because providers will take some plans and not others. And we have a lot of resources at Triage Cancer to help you actually pick a health insurance plan, uh, including an animated video and a worksheet. So our health insurance comparison worksheet actually helps you do the math and identify uh, what those costs will actually be for you by the end of the year. And those are available on our website. So even if we have adequate health insurance coverage that we've minimized what we would have to pay out of pocket, we're still gonna have out of pocket costs. There's still gonna be deductibles that we have to pay and co-pays. And we're still gonna deal with medical bills. And the challenge with medical bills is that it can create a lot of paper. Even if we're getting it in an online format, it still is a lot of paper to go through. And so from the insurance company, you might get a letter from them that says, we've received your claim. And that just means that the provider that you went to has sent it to that insurance company. And then they might send a letter saying, we're now processing that claim. And you don't have to do anything with that, and it doesn't mean anything. They're just keeping you up to date. But it creates more paper. 
And then they send you a letter that says, here is your explanation of benefits, or your EOB. And EOBs generally are useful tools because they're going to tell you exactly what you received care for, what the insurance company is going to pay for that care, and your responsibility for paying anything else. And so it's very important that you hold on to your EOBs because the next piece of paper that you're going to get is the bill from the provider. And you want to compare that explanation of benefits to the bill from the provider. And the problem with this process is that it doesn't necessarily happen in order. You might get the letter that says, we're, you know, here's your explanation of benefits, and then a week later you get the letter saying we're processing your claim. And so it doesn't necessarily arrive to you in the right order. It is also very important that if you get the bill first, you wait for the explanation of benefits. And it doesn't matter what type of insurance you have, that's incredibly important because you want to make sure that you're only paying what you actually have to pay. And I will tell you, I a few years ago went to the doctor for an annual checkup, which all should have been free because it was all preventive services, and then I got a bill for $1,000 from the doctor. And I had a mini heart attack, and I thought, well, why do I have to pay this? And then I took a breath and thought, wait a minute, I haven't gotten an explanation of benefits for this yet. And sure enough, when I got the explanation of benefits, I wasn't responsible for paying a single dollar of that bill. But if I hadn't thought that process through and paid the bill to the provider, then I would have to go back to the provider and try to get that money back. So it's very important that you are actually comparing those bills and making sure that it's actually accurate because this is a human process. So if someone types in 11 of something instead of just one of something by accident, you're paying more than you have to. So it's very important to actually pay attention to these things. I fully realize that's easier said than done. So we have some tools, including a medical bill tracking worksheet to help people actually figure out their medical bills. Uh, and to be able to keep track of those bills, what you've paid, and what you've paid out of pocket. And it will actually keep you up to date on whether or not you're close to your out-of-pocket maximum. So you're not actually paying more than you owe. The other piece about medical bills is that it's pretty common for people to get a notification that their insurance company is not covering something. So they're denying coverage for your care. And that could be a test that you need, it could be your treatment, it could be um, blood work or an imaging scan, it could be a prescription drug. So if your insurance company denies coverage for something, it's very important that you don't take no for an answer. Because in fact, the system is set up to deny. So you wanna make sure that you're getting access to the care that's prescribed to you by your healthcare team. And if you have private insurance, you actually have two chances to appeal that denial. The internal appeals process is where you go back to the insurance company and say, I'd like you to look at this again. My healthcare team is saying it's medically necessary for me to get this care. And if the insurance company still says no, you get to go outside the insurance company to an independent entity that's called independent medical review or external medical review and ask them to look at it. And if they decide that the care that you've been prescribed is medically necessary, that decision is binding on the insurance company. On average, across the country, about 50% of the time, patients are successful if they go through the appeals process, which is concerning 
because if that many people should have gotten coverage from the insurance company to begin with, something's wrong with our system. But what is even more concerning is the data that shows that no one does this. And when I say no one, I mean 99.9% .9 of people do not appeal, even to the first level of appeal to the insurance company. So in 2020, actually, there were 42 million claims that were denied just with marketplace plans. And only 0.1% of those claims were filed as internal appeals. 0.1%. So if we think about the fact that 50% of the time insurance companies are getting it wrong and should have approved that care, and we're talking about 42 million claims, that's 20 million claims that if someone had actually gone through the appeals process, they could have gotten covered by their insurance company. But instead, they either didn't get that care that was prescribed by their healthcare team, or they paid for it out of pocket. And so we definitely want people to understand the appeals process, so we have a lot of resources to help people navigate appeals. So I am actually going to pause and see if there are any questions that have come in yet. So I'm going to ask... What brought you here? I mean, to this session specifically. So I do want to say that at Triage Cancer, we have a legal and financial navigation program. So we'll help anyone answer their personal questions and navigate people through the issues that they're experiencing. So it might be that there are other health insurance options that might be available that would actually lower your out-of-pocket costs for those scans. It might be that there's something about the way the scans are being billed that... It's so do you know if the provider that he's seeing now is out of network for the insurance well, company? That's what I was going to say. Could you get your scans yeah, in network? But the scans are still, is he in a clinical trial? So I would definitely say I would want to talk to you more. And be, let's see if there's maybe something that we can identify as a way to lower the costs. I'm sure it's prepared, like you said. <coughs> Excuse me. 
So that is entirely possible. So I think that we could try to help you figure out the reason why there might be higher costs now. But that is exactly the type of thing that we could do with our navigation program. So we can actually spend the time and get more information so that we can answer those questions. Of course. Any other questions? So let me ask, does anyone have any employment or disability insurance questions? Is it a case management program? Interesting. So, um, for those of you who are online, the, the comment was that there was a suggestion made in another session about a Blue Cross plan that has a rare disease um, specialty coverage, potentially, um, but it might also be a case management program. So some insurance companies, um, for specific medical conditions or chronic conditions, like diabetes, for example, they have case management programs where they assign you a case manager and they can help you navigate getting uh, connected to providers, uh, making sure that the policy is actually covering care, coordinating payment for that care. So sometimes it can facilitate some of the logistics around insurance coverage. I have never heard of that one in particular, um, specific to rare disease. Uh, but it is always worth asking your insurance company if they have specific types of programs that can provide additional benefits. And some of those are things like um, telehealth care. So they might have another program available if you need telehealth services. So there, there are extra things that they don't necessarily um, identify for you, but if you ask questions about what might be available to you, they will share that information. That's what I just did. <laughs> yep. Any other questions? Yes. Side, 
that is very true. I think uh, definitely if you are ex- if you receive a denial from an insurance company, that is very anxiety provoking. Uh, but the healthcare team can be an excellent resource to help you through the appeals process. And in fact, it's a, often a necessary resource because your healthcare team is who prescribed the treatment. They have the best perspective on why it's medically necessary for you to get access to that care. So they can provide the additional evidence, paperwork, maybe it's a research study that can help you with the appeal. There are fantastic healthcare teams that actually can help you do that for you and file that first appeal. I think healthcare teams are less aware of the external appeals process, which is why it's something that we spend a lot of time talking about to providers as well, because we want them to not just sort of end the conversation with the insurance company after the insurance company says no, to actually help pursue the external appeal because it's much more likely to be successful for the patient. Um, And a lot of times when providers are involved in the process, they go through a process called peer review, where the insurance company uh, healthcare professional who denied the care is talking to your healthcare professional peer to peer, but they aren't always peers. So the insurance company physician might be a podiatrist, and you're trying to get care related to cancer care. Uh, and so the podiatrist might not be up on the latest treatments or clinical trial research or data. Uh, and so the healthcare team can be asking to talk to someone who is actually a peer. But even at that point, that's still all the internal appeals process. So even if the peer review gets denied, you can go externally to see about getting access to that care through the external review process. So really, the moral of the story is, while it's still a lot of work and puts more work on patients and caregivers, if you need access to that care, it's 100% worth going through the process, unfortunately. Yes? So the question was about if you have Medicare and an employer-sponsored plan, uh, post-retirement, and a cancer plan, um, how those benefits interact, and whether or not we have resources on that. We do. Um, I think the details of why a particular plan might be paying out or not paying out is something we would want to talk to you individually about and what the policy um, includes. Um, and maybe why they're saying they wouldn't pay out on certain benefits um, so that we can figure out if there's a way to appeal those decisions as well. This is 
like again, everybody will tell you this is overwhelming. You understand? So it might just be the process of beginning to understand well how to file that, or it really yes. I would say with supplemental plans, we probably don't have a resource specifically that kind of walks you through the steps because it's very specific to the policy. And so how to file the claims with the policy are gonna be in the policy. Uh, I will say if it's a supplemental cancer plan specifically, um, usually they pay out kind of chunks of cash. They're not actually paying uh, medical bills directly, the way that Medicare would pay first and then maybe the retiree or employer plan would pay second. So that's a primary versus secondary and who pays first. Supplemental plans like a cancer plan or an accident plan, um, they pay out specific things. So if you're going to have surgery, they might give you a $10,000 cash payment. If you're um, having to travel for treatment, if you send them a claim form with your receipts, they'll reimburse you for those things. So it's usually not paying out on a bill. However, they may reimburse you for certain things. So if you then have a bill from a provider for, oh, I can't think of a good example. I'm just exaggerating, but like your surgery bill. If you sent that bill with a claim form to them, they would pay out an amount based on the fact that you had surgery, not necessarily specifically like a percentage of the bill. So the details are gonna be in the policy, um, but if you have questions about how to read the policy and what your steps are, those are things that we could help you do through the navigation program. Of course. I think that I will wrap up then, if there are no other questions. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast, brought to you by Castle Biosciences. Please be sure to subscribe, and if you're so inclined, send this episode over to friends, family, and share on your social media to help spread awareness around OM. If you have a moment, leave us a brief review or consider making a donation to the links in the show notes to keep our podcast going. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Insight. We'll see you next time on the I Believe podcast.